and safe. Don't just car, wheelie it. 702 Weekend Breakfast with Gugs Msungu. Standing in for Filwe Mpakanyani. Let's walk the talk. 14 minutes after 8 o'clock. Welcome back to Weekend Breakfast. Time for us to get into our parenting feature. And as mentioned this week, we're looking at how to handle parent-teacher meetings. And as always, we're joined by human potential and parenting expert, Nikki Bush. Nikki, good morning. As always, good to have you on the show. Thank you, Gug. So, uh, the, apparently there is the issue of parents or more parents undermining their children's teachers. What does this mean? In what ways are parents undermining their children's teachers? Thanks, Gug. So, you know, it's an interesting question because at the beginning of the pandemic, when children were sent home to be with their parents 24-7, parents really discovered how much work teaching or teachers did Mm. and there was this newfound respect uh, for teachers and that seems to have waned and uh, we're starting to see really another pandemic of of parents really undermining their teachers and I actually spent a whole week um, with school principals um, last uh, not last week the week before and it is just Rough, absolutely rough. And we are seeing parents tackle teachers in front of their children. And this is an absolute no-no. You know, you might not always agree with your child's teacher. Um, but those disagreements must be dealt with in private and not within earshot of children. And we're really doing children a disservice when we tackle teachers in front of them. And we're not talking, Gugs, about gross physical abuse of your children, those sorts of things. We're just talking about normal interactions between um, children and their teachers. So we we need to ensure that we do this privately. So um, if you question your child's teacher in front of your child, you're actually telling your child that the teacher's authority is not to be respected. And when a teacher tells you something... Don't turn to your child in front of the teacher and ask if what their teacher is saying is true. You may think that you're involving your child in the discussion, but what you've actually done is to question that teacher's reliability and authority to their face. And you have to think about this from the teacher's perspective. You've essentially told them that you won't believe what they just told you until your child confirms it. So you are basically um, breaking the bond of respect and authority that needs to exist between a teacher and child. You know, we must remember that teachers are teaching not one child in a class. They're teaching 25, 27, 33, 35, 40 kids at once. And so there has to be a degree of respect and authority for the classroom situation to work. You know, it's easy to, to think about how it is at home with your child. You might have one child. Maybe you've got two or three. Think about the teacher who has many more children in terms of the teacher-to-child ratio. And so how do you manage, I guess for many parents, there's, I guess, this delicate balance of, on one hand, um, ensuring that the teacher is able to do their job, that they, as a teacher, as an educator, they're able to have the authority to carry out what they need to do. 
But in the instance, say, you know, your child is misbehaving or there's a particular or there's tension between them and the teacher and the child says, you know, there are uh, issues with myself and the teacher. They feel they're being victimized or being picked on or whatever. How do you then manage that that delicate balance? On one hand, you don't want to take away the teacher's authority and you don't want them to be unable to do their work. But also at the same time as a parent, and we've kind of spoken about this before, uh, you know, making sure that your kids are seen, making that making sure that your kids feel they are acknowledged or that you have time for them and that their concerns and feelings are taken seriously. How do you balance those two things if there is, I guess, um, if there's conflict or they, they or they, they, you know, the teacher and the child don't quite agree on what is happening. Yes. Is or your role... Get on. Yes. Uh, you know, because you can have personality clashes. Yes. And if you think back to your own school experience, Gogs, I'm sure you, like me, I can go through all my teachers from beginning to end and I can go, I like that teacher, I didn't like that teacher, that teacher didn't like me, I don't, you know, and, and actually there will be two or three teachers in your whole school career where you go, oh, wow, that was the teacher who really stood out for me and influenced me. But the rest, you know, you, you'll have good years and bad years. Not, it's a bit like, um, you know, you need to say to your kids, not every child at school is going to like you. That's the reality. You will find your tribe. Um, and so children also learn through those relationships that aren't quite to their liking, whether it's with other children or with their teacher. But the bottom line here is, yes, your child might come home and might be complaining about their teacher. You need to be an information gatherer and an observer of your child, and you need to book a private meeting with a teacher to go and discuss what's happening. And I think what's very important is that we need to understand that we don't always know how our children operate in the school environment because we are not there and it can be quite different to how they act in the home or the family setting because at school they're finding their feet in a much larger group and dealing with the stresses and the challenges and the joys that come with academic learning. So listen clearly and deeply to your children but you need to also listen carefully to the teacher for their insights as well. And then you have to put the two together. So what I'm saying is we need to delay judgment straight off the bat when our children say something. And we need to listen and observe their behavior, see how they're acting before we go in and tackle the teacher. So be an investigator and don't always prejudge that it's the school's fault or the teacher's fault because you never, ever know until you've heard both sides of the story um, what the situation actually is. Right at the beginning of our conversation, you were saying it's quite important for parents, if they do disagree with the teacher or there's an issue that they have, that they don't allow this to play out uh, in front of the child, that they be another they be another way of dealing with that. And is this about, you know, we often hear 
uh, people being told as parents, whether you live together or you're co-parenting in, you know, while apart, that it is important to present a united front um, with your kids. Is this the same kind of thinking with, you know, while you may disagree with the teacher, while there may be issues you want to deal with, uh, you want to deal with, with re- regarding the teacher, that you should present a united front, that the teacher's actually part of, I guess, that unit that should be united? You raise such an important point, Gogs. You know, we school alone cannot prepare your child for the future, and neither can you. It is a partnership, a strong partnership uh, between home, school, and teacher and learner, and it needs to be based on mutual respect. And you're absolutely right. It's the same as parents singing from the same hymn sheet, whether you live together, whether you're married, whether you're separated, whether you're divorced. We need to keep the child's welfare at the center, which means we need to present a united front, create as neutral an environment as possible. In other words, don't poison the environment. Don't create a toxic environment between you and the teacher, between your child and the teacher. And we can be really good at doing this, you know, dropping a little drip drop of poison into into the water. And children pick it up straight away and then you open the door to manipulation and the child playing one party up against the other. You know, kids are quite perceptive they really are perceptive and if you think about the fact that children will play up for attention we need to be careful because they work out very quickly how to get attention and sometimes they use negative attention seeking behavior we also need to take responsibility as parents if we are not emotionally present and it's tough being a parent today working full-time, raising children, if you're not emotionally present, sometimes that plays out in your child's behavior at school. And you could have a child resorting to being nasty to other children, um, being rude to their teacher, because if they're getting no attention at home, even negative attention seeking, uh, even negative attention from a teacher is better than nothing. Even negative attention from you is better than nothing. So just understand how those dynamics work and don't always jump to conclusions before you have the facts. And so I think it's important that we talk about how to handle parent-teacher meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, you were saying, for instance, one of the ways that's quite useful is being an investigator, so being curious about what's happening. Yes, you know, childhood is a process. Your child is not cooked and baked immediately and ready for eating, so to speak. You know, it's a process. Childhood takes time. It's not instant. You were talking about instant pup and instant samp just now. Um, and, and you were saying how you know the way you make it traditionally over time, soaking overnight, cooking slowly. Think about children in that way. They take time. They take a lot of love, care, attention, and Parent-teacher meetings take place a few times a year to enable you to keep tabs on your child's progress through this process. And having those face-to-face feedback sessions is invaluable. So some parents love these meetings and some parents absolutely hate them. And I must tell you that teachers 
they are they love to meet with the parents but think about those teachers they've got to have 25 or 35 parent teacher meetings in the space of a few days please please have a little bit of empathy for for teachers so make sure that you arrive on time for the set booked slot that you've got because the minute you are late there's a knock-on effect for the other 10 meetings of the day and you need to come in knowing and believing that both parties teacher and parent want the best for this child Uh, they're working in the best interest of the child and so we need to find practical helpful solutions together for the child so firstly work from a fresh slate Every new meeting with a teacher offers a fresh opportunity to create better outcomes for your child. If you're going in with a bad attitude, this can mar the meeting before it starts. The second point is to prepare well. So we talked about being an investigator. Um, Before the meeting, list any questions that you want to raise. Keep the questions short and to the point. And it can be useful to list some of your child's strengths and areas of improvement that you've observed at home. And write this information down in advance because when you're in that meeting, you know, they're usually quite short. And you need to keep to your point and you need to make sure you get through your list. And if you don't write it down, you can sometimes leave and be disappointed. Oh, I forgot that. I forgot that. So the third point is to listen first. Give the teacher a chance to make an assessment of your child's progress or behavior. And I know this sounds obvious, but some meetings really never get off the ground because an over-enthusiastic parent takes over. Mm -hmm. So you're actually going there to hear the teacher's observations. And it's also the opportunity to share what you've observed and to share you know, what, how your child is behaving at home. Please ask, the fourth point is to ask what you can do. You know, show your commitment to producing better results by asking for exercises you can do at home to develop skills. And it's also an opportunity to ask for any recommendations for outside resources. It's also the opportunity to keep your teacher or the teacher abreast of what's going on at home. You know, things happen. Granny's very ill. She's moved in. You're taking care of her. Somebody has died in the family. Maybe there's a divorce in progress. Uh, maybe um, there's some kind of trauma that's happened. You know, you've had a burglary. You need to keep teachers abreast of these things because they do actually impact on your child's behavior at school and in the classroom. So provide teachers with context without trying to take over their role as a teacher. And, you know, this kind of idea of providing context, providing support without taking over their role, um, but also at the same time being involved. I mean, we do hear sometimes teachers saying uh, parents are not parenting their kids. They then get dropped off at school and it's on teachers to parent them. So again, it also sounds like there is this delicate balance of A, allowing teachers to do what they need to do, to do their work, but also at the same time as parents being involved enough doing their role but without then doing overstepping and you know start trying to tell the teacher how to do their role yeah absolutely we need to respect them as professionals and also have empathy for them because we are often expecting teachers to pick up the slack and fill in for us 
when you're not there by instilling manners in our kids, good behavior and values. You know, this is actually our job and teachers simply don't have enough hours in a day to take on all of these tasks. They will supplement what we teach our children at home and build on our foundations. But we as parents actually have to take responsibility for building those foundations. Uh, we received a question for you via WhatsApp on this issue of how to handle parent-teacher meetings. Hi, Gugs and Nikki. I'm really interested whether or not teachers are still supported by what used to be inspectors in the old system, which were often um, something where the teacher could fall back on that for um, proof or evidence of um, what her uh, classes entailed. And uh, often it's we were fearful when the inspectors came, but I'm sure teachers were also. And I think it's an important aspect. And if it's no longer in classrooms, I think um, we are leaving too much up to the parents to decide. That's an interesting question. Yes, I do remember in the old days we did have school inspectors and everybody quaked in their boots um, when the inspectors were coming to visit. I'm not 100% sure how that is playing out today. You know, education is changing so much. School inspectors used to be qualified educators, and uh, these days school inspectors are often more of the bureaucratic nature. So I think that so much now depends more on teachers and the backup from the head of department or the principal themselves. I think there is a lot more. So if you're having a problem with a teacher, and this is where I'll leave the conversation today, if you can't resolve the problem with the teacher, what you're going to do is book an appointment with the school principal. Um, But please try and resolve with the teacher before you take that step. Um, Try and keep it respectful until you cannot get any more joy out of going that route and only then go to the school principal. Mickey, as always, a pleasure chatting to you. If parents want to continue this conversation or get more information, where can they go? So firstly, Future Proof Your Child for the 2020s and Beyond is my book that's on the shelves in the bookstores or at nickybush.com. And this particular conversation is contained in that book. There's a section on what can school do for your child. And then join me on my Facebook page, Parenting Matters. That's a human and potential, human potential and parenting expert, Nikki Bush. Have a fantastic day further, Nikki. Thank you. You too.